Sir, how are you? What's happening? You know, because we had Juneteenth off, then we had this big conference, and then it's already another long weekend coming up. There's no what the truck on Monday, Fourth of July, end of the month, end of the quarter, big long weekend. And I was just looking at an article on here, and it said that Bud Light is once again offering near full rebates on their beer. And I was curious because I haven't caught up with you. It's a freight recession. What's going up in, on in the, the liquor market, first of all? Before we get to liquor, I got yeah. a question for you. What is it? What's the shelf life of beer? Do you know? I do not know. How long are you supposed to keep a beer on the shelf before you can throw it? I don't know. But see, this, this Bud Light thing started at the end of April. Yeah. So now we're looking at one week of April, four weeks of May, uh, five, six, seven, eight weeks right now. So look at all this inventory that Budweiser might have to just throw away if they don't sell it and that could compound their losses i think that beer is probably getting pretty close to its shelf life and they just can't move it over to the next door that sells more beer what does a so it says that sales of bud light fell 28.5 percent versus a year ago what does like a 30 percent increase in stock mean to like a liquor store where do you keep all this extra bud light well see here they're lucky is their bud light is out at the stores like my store or the gas stations uh, they just got to slow down their production to, to make sure they don't, yeah, they can't make any more <clears throat> if they're not selling it. So you're right. Stock can be a big issue. And you just, and depending on what state, what laws you got to follow in Tennessee, you just can't make a bigger store or make a stock room bigger. You have to go through the state and get it approved. So, um, the, the, you know, stock is a, is a big issue. You got to be careful uh, what you're ordering, where you're buying it, and you got to make sure you have space to put it. What are uh, what are Chattanoogans drinking? What's like the most popular item you got these days? White Claw? What do no. Chattanoogans drink out there? Uh, I'm near a couple of golf courses, so my biggest seller in my store is uh, little mini shots of Fireball. Oh, yo, little nips of Fireball? Yes, yeah, that's man. my biggest seller. That's like, aside from Dunkin' Donuts cups in, Ma- in Massachusetts, that's like the number one type of debris it's just like little empty things of fire that people are are, are bad at, but they're they're pulling in they're shoving them in their golf bags and they're going out and playing a couple rounds of golf Ooh. well hey guys thank you for joining us for what the truck road podcast that happens mondays wednesdays and fridays live at noon eastern time on today's episode we got super trucker justin martin he's going to be on a little bit we're talking about yellow's downward spiral that turmoil over there they just sued the um brother the brotherhood of teamsters for 137 million dollars what yeah. do you think? <clears throat> All right. Yellow's done? Uh, if they can fix this now, years and years ago when this, this happened, this very similar thing happened. Yellow Freight and I think UPS and several of them had to go back to their unions yeah. and said, hey, we need, we need to adjust these contracts because if you don't, we're out of business. That's what they're saying if, again now. And if we're out of business, how many uh, hundreds, you know, thousands and thousands of them are going to lose their jobs? So they're going to have to negotiate. I mean, here's the thing, though. We're, we have we have a video from one of their meetings. I'm going to show it a little later in the show. Teamsters seem aware of that, and they don't care. They want to go to the mat. Well, they're just not happy with what happened. They're not happy about that loan for 700 million. The company's already crying poor again. That's what that's their statement. They clap back. So true. we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, we also got Alan Adler. He's going to be on. He's going to talk about uh, flaming Nikola trucks. He's also talking about Lordstown Motors. They're 
apparently going bankrupt. And uh, what's going on with batteries? What else we got? We got uh, Brittany uh, Trailer. She's from Trailer Transpo. She went from foster care to owner-operator to the owner of a trucking company. She's going to tell us her backstory. Plus, what to do when your semi falls in an ocean. We got uh, Impossible Dock Doors, a look inside a new Peterbilt, starting a supply chain minivan gang. Pepsi-flavored ketchup. But right now, it's Donnie. He's a market expert over here at Freightways. Donnie, all the sales guys out there, they're like at the World Series championship bugging this girl saying, I got trucks in your neighborhood. Can you show the picture? I got trucks in your neighborhood right now. There you go. And that's, that, that's, that's, a, that's a great photo right there. Um, everybody's got trucks everywhere, and they're probably begging begging to get to get freight right now and uh, while we're still above 10,000 when we look at our OTVI uh, and the, the the market conditions here um, yes look at that. let's look at the outbound tender volume index what's happening yeah. so we're 10 it, it's starting to climb back up a little bit but remember we're at the end of the month end of the quarter Dooner we need these companies to finish strong in the second quarter first quarter a lot of them we knew it was going to be a rough first quarter second quarter they need to finish strong, and that's what they're trying to do. So they're going to try to get all their freight. For most of these companies, finishing strong just means getting the freight off their dock and showing it as already purchased so they can plug it into the books. So that's going to be a big deal coming up between now and Friday. And, of course, some of these people will run well into about 5 or 6 a.m. Saturday still clocking it out for Friday to try to get this freight moved and on the books for the second quarter. Because this is another holiday we get coming up here too, right? With yeah, the, and then we're – And everything. And Forge Life is weird this year because it's on a Tuesday. Which means these trucks of these trucks that are picking up over the weekend for the for the end of the month, they've got to deliver, get their next load, and get a load that's strong enough to carry them over that holiday Tuesday to either deliver Wednesday, or maybe something that's on the en route on their way that's their homes in between where they can go home for a day. So yeah, it's going to push rates up because of all this complexity of, of Friday being the last day of the month, and then you got one day Monday, and then the Fourth of July, and it's it's going to disrupt the markets a little bit. Sure, and you're going to see capacity leave on Monday, too, because it's it's a long weekend and just the way it falls by it by nature. Yeah, I mean, if that. you can get Monday, if you're going to have some of these guys try to take Monday off if they can as well. So long weekend, bleed it right into the 4th of July, and then um, go back on Wednesday or Thursday. Go back on Wednesday or Thursday. What if we look at for the USA? We've got years and lanes on this next chart. Show this one over here, and Donnie, speak to it. Tell us what we're looking at. Right, right there in the middle, right above that plus-minus sign, there's a dark blue line that ends. That's where we are today. That purple line below it, that's 2019. These are volumes that we're looking at, the trends in the volumes. We are just above 2019. If you look at that purple and blue line to the left there, you see there was a, there was a pretty good gap there for a while. That gap's getting narrow. That purple line tends to trend up over the next few months. If we don't get our volumes picking up, we're going to drop below 2019. And that's not going to be a good thing. 2019 was a bust year. Uh, me, I was in the spot market most of that year, and man... It was a struggle. So uh, we want to see that line continue and stay above that purple line there that we were just looking at, and hopefully the volumes will stay strong. Is there any indication that that, that, that line can go anywhere this summer? I believe it's going to be pretty flat, to be honest with you. Uh, the problem that we're having is, is there's still too much capacity in this market. We need, unfortunately, we need uh, drivers to leave this market. All those drivers that came in during COVID, we appreciate it, but the, only the strong is going to survive now. If you went out and you bought a truck at a way overpriced truck during COVID to jump in and make some quick money, you're probably not going to make it, but they're lingering in because prices are still, contract prices are still fairly high. They're much higher than uh, the spot market rates are right now. 
And some people are just really kind of hanging in there. Weird. Well, there's about 7,000 at that carrier, Yellow, that's just hanging in there. That, that could be a pretty big market catalyst. If I, uh, I don't believe Yellow is going to go out. Uh, I, I might be wrong. I think they're going to be fine. They're going to make it. The union just wants all their money. Uh, that's that's fine. I understand that's what, what's the way it's been for 40 years. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, if you lose in Yellow Freight would really put, especially the LTL yeah. capacity, <clears throat> they couldn't handle it. No, where does that go? I mean, somebody, I guess, has to go into truckload. It's going to get absorbed. Some of those drivers and equipment would get absorbed by other companies. But that's a messy, long process. That doesn't happen overnight. The scary thing, so one executive, the reason he told me they're in a debt spiral is because shippers are already starting to know this, and they're starting to pull freight. And when you start pulling freight, that you might not it bring worse. it back. And they're already losing money. Their, their volume's already down 33%. Uh, their tonnage is down 33% over the past two years, speaking of... Speaking of volumes, but that's yellow. What about the greater freight market? How about tender rejects? That's slightly positive. This looks higher than it's been, at least in spring and summer. It has. We look at this. I got reefer and drive van broke down here. Uh, reefers climbed up to a little bit over 5%. Drive vans climbed up to 3.52. And while these numbers are very low, don't look at the exact numbers. Look at the trend that just happened over the past couple of weeks. Rates are moving up. And this is an indication right now. If you see those, you know, here... Reefer's gone up a couple percentage points. Drive-in's gone up about one percentage point. Uh, it's been a very slow movement up, but still, this is an indication, hey, start pushing your, your, your spot rates up. I don't care where you are. We're getting towards, like, say, the end of the month, end of the quarter. We see rejection rates starting to climb. Keep the momentum going and keep it going all the way through next week because we got the 4th of July as well. Where, where do you think 4th of July pushes these? Uh, it, it's, it's going to push up just a little bit. Like I said, there's, there's still plenty of capacity. We'll see it push up just, a, you know, maybe a half percent, maybe one percentage point further up, uh, possibly. Uh, here, you know, we have uh, tender lead times of five days almost on, on, uh, on Reefer. So they're booking that Monday freight probably now, trying to get it covered. Drive-in, they're going to be trying to cover right now for Thursday and Friday. And probably Thursday, they'll start trying to cover for Monday. So you're going to see the, the peaks up here real soon. Uh, you know I pass a Circle K every single time I come into work, and I've been noticing a big drop in both gas and diesel prices, a big consistent drop. Last year at this time, big theme, we were talking about the beginning of the freight recession, and as we talked through it in 2022, was the cost of ownership and this cost of just fueling trucks, which were just hammering trucks. But it looks like we're at least getting some sweet relief here, are we not? We've dropped below $4 a gallon, uh, the average price. Of I believe that's stops. the lowest we've been since the war in Ukraine began. Yes, and... Uh, the good part here over the last couple of days, uh, fuel's dropped, but our, if we look at our NTI, it's actually gone up a, a few cents. It's just a, a few cents down and a few cents up. But what that means is they're getting a little bit, a little bit, few cents more per mile, and their cost to run those trucks has come down just a little bit. We need that trend to continue. Uh, right now, they're at the lowest uh, prices similar to 2019, but that cost for fuel is their second biggest cost, and the fuel is probably killing them. Fuel is killing it. What about the what about the thing everybody wants to know about? What about the rates? The bottom line? What are we actually getting paid out there on the road? You throw this up there. We got the blue lines. The seven day rolling average. We see it kind of bottom out there in May, and it's been kind of steady uh, in, th throughout the month of June within a <clears throat> within three or four cents. Have we hit rock bottom? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to say yes just yet. Because we're at 223, <clears throat> right? And just so people understand, this is National Truckload Index seven-day average with fuel or without fuel. This is uh, including fuel. Including fuel, 223. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, great rate. <laughs> but, you know, the 4th of July is the end of the summer shipping season. It can get tough after the 4th of July. Maybe not that 
day, but give it a week or two after the 4th of July, and we could see it weaken. If we don't, then I'll say we're at rock bottom. But as we get through that the last part of June and into August, that's a, that's a tough time, especially for spot market freight. If you have a high exposure to spot market, you're in trouble. You need to get away from the spot market. You need to get on contracts. And that's your advice. Get out of the Best spot market, get on contracts, work on those relationships this summer. Because uh, yes. he's staying here. He doesn't see it heating up. Yeah. Um, I mean, we should have, you should have, I mean, you should have been doing this a while ago when we first started you, talking about the first this, this should, this should have happened before COVID. Yeah. Those guys that did not drive their rates up during COVID and stayed with their contracts and took care of their shippers. Yeah. <clears throat> they're being taken care of right now by those shippers. They're going to stay in business. And even though rates drop lower, they'll probably respect that and keep them, especially the smaller ones. Yeah. And they'll keep rolling just fine. And these guys that jacked up the prices, like, Hey, I used to run your freight. They, yeah. You ran it at $5 a mile. Bye. You ran into the ground. Yep, and yeah. you're going to be in a, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. But that's the the uh, the rookies the rookie mistake, and the veterans will tell you just get you a good contract back and forth and stick with it. Get you a good contract. Well, Donnie, hey, thank you so much for coming on here. You can catch Donnie all the time on Freightways Now. He's always breaking down the sonar charts, and he's always on here a couple times a month too, giving us the report on what's going down. So hey, yep. if I don't see you before the fourth, have a great Independence you too, Day. sir. I appreciate Good it. Weekend. Watch a Will Smith movie or two while you're at it. Yeah. <laughs> have a good one. <laughs> Meanwhile. Take a look at this. This is, this is amazing. So, my boss, Craig Fuller, he flies all the time. I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not really one for heights. You know, I like to, to be on the ground. Maybe like a commercial airline. But this is a pilot's flying a small plane right here, and he has to bring it down on the highway. And you know, one of the people here, they said, um, "Hey, one of the cool things about the highway is that uh, there's a straight section every 10 miles in case this happens for order of the military." It turns out that that's not true. That's a myth. Um, and it's kind of murky getting like the real meaning of, of when where exactly that came from maybe at some time when they were building the highways they were but that plan was at least abandoned according to the dot um joel collisions joel collision he says the that's a nice name the driver of the car next where the plane landed had an unbelievable story to share with his co-workers no doubt no doubt not looking out for those on the road although now in my new minivan i got the lane assist so i wonder if it would trigger when one of those things came down randall b says and he hits the high speed as well right off at alpha left on the diagonal contact state police subprime shaman says that's what golf courses are for guess he wants you to bring it down right on the golf course i don't know we got alan a alan look right at the stop sign too wow very nice we got alan adler alan you uh you've been in one of these little planes yet uh, no, not lately. I just finished. We, we just finished a Grisham book that was all about little plane flying. I got to tell you, though, bicycling, that's us down there. See us? We're, we're down there somewhere. But but seriously, um, Swamp Rabbit is where you're catching me today. That's in South Carolina, the Swamp Rabbit Trail. Just oh, I thought you said you had Swamp Butt. No, that's well, later. Just kidding. No, You've no, been biking that, all no, day, though. Swamp Rabbit. It's a, it's a nice, beautiful trail here in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, well, hey, I got to ask you something, by the way. You've been to, what, 47 or 48 baseball parks now? 47. 47. So when we were in Cleveland a week ago, um, just actually, yes. I was so, yesterday I was walking around, I was like, that was a week ago that we were at the game? It seems like it was like two days ago. But we went to Progressive, yeah. we caught the Guardians game. Where do you rank that? Hold on, not the minivan. Where do you rank that on, on top baseball parks out of those 47? Uh, it's, it's probably in the second 10 somewhere. You know, it's held up okay. And as you pointed out, the cup holders were only down below. Up in the yeah. cheap seats, no cup holders. So that's no a problem. But, you know, it opened in 95. I think I remember being there the first year. And uh, and it was uh, it, it was sort of after Camden Yard. It, it became, you know, one of the more modern stadiums. It's showing its age now, but it's uh, it's hanging in there. I You know, it, it, it reminded me a bit of Truist, which I was at earlier this summer, where it's sort of like 
family-friendly park. The one really cool, unique thing about Progressive, though, is you come in through the outfield. Most ba- most parks, you know, you're walking up through first base uh, or, or along the, uh, the the baselines. Here you come in through the outfield, which I thought was was really neat. But I have some big news to share with you. Elon Musk, okay. I'm taking my $100 back for that Cybertruck. It's done. It's over. You took too long. You know why? Because I'm rolling in this whip right here. <laughs> right here. <Yeah. laughs> our, you know, we got struck by lightning. <laughs> like the TV team, they all got struck by lightning. So our systems, well, not them, like the equipment did. So <laughs> the equipment has a little bit of a delay to it. But we were out. I was out with the wife. We were first looking at RVs like with the kids. Not that I planned on getting an RV, but we swung by um, Honda. We've been thinking about a minivan for a while. We swung by. We took a nice test drive. We, of course, you know, because it's a minivan, I had to get the sport edition, as you can see right there with the emblem. So it's got the nice stitching, a little bit of a supercharger, got the Hellcat engine in there. May have to put some flames on the side of it. I'm not, I'm not going to fear no Cybertruck. What's that? You got to... You don't. You got a Hellcat and a Honda? Where'd you well, get that? Well, you know, it, 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 it's aftermarket. It's aftermarket, Alan. Oh, okay. Because I was going to ask you if that thing had a Hemi, you know? But it, guess not. It needs one. It, anyway, it's got you have very mode. cool wheels. You, you know, if you got a minivan, make sure you got your, your, your wheels right. And it looks like you did that. So on, onward and upward there, Dooner. Well, some people it's were saying that car's stage. not gangster. But I got to tell you, if I'm going to do a drive-by yeah. in something, I'm taking the minivan because I can fit eight people in there. Just, just don't get a gangsters. white one if you're doing drive-bys. No, What's no, that? no drive-bys and white minivans. <laughs> no drive-bys and Black. white minivans. Too identifiable. Like, all right, so let's let's talk about some some gangster stuff. I don't know if this gangster stuff. This is actually bad news. Roll this tape. What was going on over at Nikola here? We're, we're seeing trucks on fire. They had them set off, and now there's uh, they're saying it could be foul play. Some people in the market are saying, are you sure it wasn't just the batteries themselves? Have you, do, do you know? Has the investigation completed? I don't. I don't. I've been on. I've been on vacation since we left Cleveland, so um, I didn't even really write it. I read yesterday in Electrek. They're saying, "Well, it could be the batteries. We don't know because Nikola was so fast to say foul play was involved." Remember, they just laid off three hundred people. So, yeah. uh, you know, somebody disgruntled. Maybe I'm not. I'm not calling this one. Um, interestingly, though, yesterday I was in the battery plant, uh, their backup supplier, if you will called Proterra. I, I visited their plant here in, in uh, Greer, North Carolina, or South Carolina. Uh, fascinating place. And they're building the battery packs now for the hydrogen trucks. Uh, Got to have a battery when you use hydrogen. And uh, so they're building the packs for those. Fascinating tour yesterday. Interesting. You know, I, and I don't want to allege anything here, but like for Nikola, it would be convenient if they were set on fire versus something that may signal to the market something bad like they set on fire they as sometimes electric batteries do nobody <laughs> wants that on the on their right. vehicle i don't know if that happened that's just right. hypothetical but like because and i think that that sort of rumor started coming up because some people are saying they use the romeo cells which have had some issues well the the i'm not aware that romeo uh, had any problems uh, per se plus they're doing the final assembly of the romeo batteries uh, they're in the nikola plant now they're they're not coming over complete so they're actually putting them together i think we better wait before we go too far with this yeah. uh battery fires are not unfortunately they're not unusual um they do happen i think i think the ford f-150 uh, uh lightning had some issues um so it does happen i just think it's interesting that nicola went right to the whip and said this looks like foul play that seems premature to me but mm-hmm. i don't want to allege anything here i, I don't want to do that 
Well, wouldn't I mean? Wouldn't they have? You would think they would have security cameras out there, right? Don't the trucks themselves also? You would have cameras think. On? No, I was I was on the lot, dude. You know, I was on the lot when that happened back in March, and they have a ton of trucks out there. They did at the time, and so you know, you'd have to have access to you know an accelerant basically to start something if it wasn't you know the batteries themselves. So we'll see what we'll see what we find out uh, when I get back. Yeah, yeah. Maybe before somebody else could do the work. That's a company that you know? they, they keep trying. They keep trying to stand it up, and then there's there's always something new uh, that happens to them. Base, baseball analogy for for Nicola. Um, I, you know how runners you can't see it as much now with the new rules in baseball, but baseball runners who have some speed lead off first base, right? They take a you know nine ten step lead, and then they dive back. That's Nicola. They keep trying to get to second base, but they have to dive back to first all the time. It's tough. It's tough. Hey, you know, I was in this next company we're talking about. I was in their plant before. It was like a Chevy Cruze plant. I had gone down to uh, Youngstown, Ohio to do a report on Falcon Transport. And while I was there, part of the report was, oh, did this the closing of this factory have anything to do with Falcon shutting down? So I stopped by the factory and it was it was it was eerie because it was like kind of abandoned at the time. So like I drove in the lot, you know, you, you check the doors for some reason. They weren't they weren't locked. I'm not saying if I trespassed or not, um, but it was an interesting, really old looking factory. But now we flash forward four years and it looks like Lordstown may be gone already. Well, Lordstown is, is uh, it's a tragedy dinner on many fronts. Let me start with the first one, and that's the founder of Lordstown Motors, Steve Burns. Last week, Burns cashed out the rest of his shares in the company. At one point, he owned 26% of the company. He has cashed out more than, uh, oh gosh, I don't have the final number, but somewhere close to $100 million of, of cash he's pulled out of there since their SPAC in 2020. And, uh, you know, Lordstown has never quite made it. That's about as far as the Lordstown endurance truck has ever made (laughs) on the screen there. Um, They built 56 of them. They delivered a handful, a couple recalls. They have had nothing but trouble there. Then they get into bed with Foxconn. Now, the one thing Lordstown did well was they got the factory, that massive 6.2 million square foot plant assembly operation from General Motors for a song. For less than a song, they didn't even have to sing. It came to him free. It came with a mortgage that GM was covering. GM gives it to them because they're having trouble with Donald Trump at the time over what are you going to do with this plant now that you're going to build the Chevy Cruze anymore. So GM comes up with a way to get rid of it. Steve Burns and says, I'll take it. So he gets it and he turns it. He doesn't. But the successors after he's been let go as CEO, they managed to get $170 million for it from Foxconn. What is Foxconn? Apple iPhone maker, right? They have ambitions to make electric trucks, electric cars. They're working with Fisker. They're doing some other stuff. But honestly, they have basically kind of said, well, you know, we have the plant now and we're the contract assembler for the endurance. But we don't really know if we want to make the endurance anymore. So they kind of when when Nicola, uh, excuse me, I'm always thinking Nicola, when Youngstown, uh, you know, stock got under a dollar, they said, you know what, you're out of you're out of covenant with us. And so we're not going to give you the rest of the money that you, you're supposed to get. So not only does Lordstown file bankruptcy uh, reorganization this week, they also sue Foxconn and say, you guys did us a dirty deal here. Well, good luck seeing how that one turns out. It doesn't look good for anybody. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of these companies close to getting delisted have lawsuits going out, too. So it, it's just uh, like Yellow's yeah. suing their Teamsters. They're about to get delisted. They, uh, they have a month. They fell under a buck. Nicola, we talked about them last time, getting close to getting delisted. A lot of these SPACs, man. It's been a, it's been a, ru- a, a rough run, but you've been having a great ride. So I'm going to let you get back to your bike, Alan. But people who want to catch okay. Truck Tech, where can they do so? 
They can do that this afternoon, uh, 4 o'clock Eastern on, uh, uh, on FreightWaves TV. Our guest today is Tim Reeser, who's the CEO of Lightning eMotors, an uh, interview we did a few weeks ago in, in Detroit with him. Fascinating stuff. You know, I, buses aren't a big part of our business, but you've got to pay attention to it because they are attracting so much money now, uh, you know, in terms of grants and so forth. So that's, uh, that's this afternoon. No newsletter this week because I'm riding my bike, so I can't write while I'm riding. And uh, so we'll be back with that next week. Well, when you get back, find out when they're going to come out with uh, like an EV minivan. My, my wife was asking, although that'll be like uh, a okay. for us. We'll do. Now that we got one. All right. Take care, Alan. <laughs> Elsewhere. Right, Volume up, please. Got a day in the life here. This is, uh, this is over at DB Shanker, man. These day in lives, they're so much better than when you see like the tech worker ones. And, you know, the girl like wakes up I'm, and she makes herself a Keurig and some like oat milk, oatmeal. And then she goes to work. And then the first thing she does is play ping pong, you know, and then talk to some coworkers, then go sit at her at her desk. And she's like, I answer some emails. Right. And then like gets back up and like and then we have the snack canteen and she's eating like. I don't know. She's drinking out of her Yeti, drinking another Starbucks, you know, too much caffeine. This guy here is actually moving boxes. So good on you, sir. Love to see the inside of that world. Now, let's talk to a company that's not in trouble. It's Brady Trailer, CEO at Trailer Transmo LLC. You're sandwiched between a lot of bad news today, Brittany, but you're bringing the sunshine. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Timothy. How you doing? Where are you coming in from today? Coming in from my home office. I'm supposed to have vacation, but... um. Seems like I never get to have that. <laughs> and, and where's that? Where are you located at it for those who don't know? I'm in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Is it hot over there right now? It is, it is 105 degrees religiously since over a week. Yes. Everyone in Cleveland, like they were at our event in Cleveland last week, all the, there were a lot of Texas, a lot of Dallas people there too. Big like logistics market in Dallas, and they were all complaining about the heat, San Antonio, air conditioners going on fire. But you got a great story too, and it started a while ago. And I don't think we've covered this on here. And um, I heard a little bit of, it, a bit of it unloaded and rolling, but I thought it would be great to do on here. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and where you come from? Well, um, yeah, I don't think we spoke that I originally come from Germany, right? So I came here to uh, the U.S. All my family's here. So, you know, I'm half German and half um, American. So I came here to the U.S., um, at the age of 21, just trying to, you know, figure out life and figure out well, what direction to go. Until, you lived in Germany until you were 21? Yeah, yeah. I had to learn English. Yeah. But, how, you know, do you not have like a, how do you not have like a German accent or anything like you sound like you've been here all your life? <laughs> really? Well, I appreciate it. Hard work. Well, there's not a lot of people that speak German, so I really didn't have no choice to, you know, converse with a lot of people. So it was um, a lot of movie watching with subtitles and, um, you know. Yeah, that's pretty much what what's was like, my what, first. What's what the truck is the best podcast in German? What's the best podcast in Germany? No, you like know, then, how do you say what? How do you say like what the truck is the best podcast in German? Okay, okay, in German. Uh, well, was der LKW ist der beste Podcast Sender hier yeah, in US? She knows. She knows. She knows. <laughs> so you're there. So you're there till you're 21, right? What? What? Like what brought you to the states? Was it family? It was family, right? I grew up in a foster system, so I didn't grow up around immediate family. Um, 
until then. And so I'm like, yeah, I want to meet my family here. Right. And just kind of figure out what to do with life. I really didn't have no direction on necessarily where to go. So I came over here, couldn't really quite speak um, English that well. So I started my first job with a, was at Welcome to Moe's, right? Welding tacos and burritos. And that's kind of uh, how I learned English, right? Just being in that customer service environment. And that, um, you know, over trials and tribulations of figuring out, I think with 25, I started driving trucks. And um, that's what that my ha- first. How did you get to the? How did you get to the? Like you're at Moe's, right? You're at Moe's. You're making the tacos. You're making the burritos. Did you see like the Cisco truck pull out the back? And you're like, what if I drive no. that thing? <laughs> I would have never thought about driving trucks, right? That is not something that uh that was that attractive uh, to me at that point. But uh, my uncle started when I was around 25, so he came over here from Germany as well. And um, he was like, man, this is so great. I make a thousand bucks a week. I'm like, what? That is a lot of money, man. Sign me up. Right. So and I saw all these cool pictures that he would take while he was over the road. And um, yeah, so I signed up with Swift, started trucking school in Salt Lake City in December, which is probably not the brightest choice. (laughs) But um, I got through a lot of training on I-70 and on I-80 going to Denver with 60 miles wind gusts and black ice. So I definitely learned from the gate how to be a super trucker. And then um, just starting conversations like, hey, oh yeah, you can own your truck. Wow, you can do that. And then just reading books and really um, turning my truck into like a mini university on the road, right? I would have stickers everywhere and affirmations everywhere and like a whiteboard and we'll pull up to business conferences and just kind of figure out Okay, I think this is something that I can do, and I see some inefficiencies with, you know, that relationship between dispatch broker and driver. I think there's something that I can do to help, right? So transportation was really my way out of, you know, financial freedom for me, but then also to deliberate others and motivate others of, hey, you can do this as well. What were some of those things that you saw while you were driving? You're like why is it this way? This doesn't work. This sucks. Like, how do we make this better? What were some of those things that stuck? Because there's a lot in trucking, but what was something that stuck out to you that really started inspiring you towards what you'd eventually become? The huge disconnect between the office environment and the drivers, right? Uh, I think there's a huge disconnect as far as mentality goes and as far as culture goes, right? And then also um, just the ratios, right? You'll have a dispatcher in one of these bigger companies that manage 40 trucks and don't know anybody's name. And you're calling in as, Hey, I'm truck one, two, three, four, five, six. Can you help me out? Right. And just that huge disconnect and the huge overworkedness, I believe that's from dispatcher and also the irregular ratios, you know, you as a dispatcher managing 40 trucks and really getting them from point A to point B. I think at some point the workload is so tremendous that, um, I think a lot of the relationship is missing, right? And a lot, and then you know that leads kind of to respect. No, it, you know it doesn't surprise me at all. And this is a world that it, this is a show for people in logistics, and all of you who have worked in here know that there's a, a, a big disconnect, and it's not even just between 
broker and shipper or broker and driver. They're like they're within their own office. I remember when I got to FedEx doing global trade, the people who did imports didn't know what the people who did exports did. The people who did exports didn't know what the people who did imports did. The people in compliance didn't know what we did. And so there's even within companies themselves, it's it's super siloed with this industry and the knowledge gets gets sucked into those different um silos. So when did you like when did you was trailer transport your, your like your first idea? How did this develop? How did you get this off the ground? Yeah, so I was in West Texas, and um, I was at that point working with an oil field company, and they just went out of business and decided to leave, um, I believe it was maybe six or eight of us, stranded in West Texas with no trucks or nothing to do. And then uh, I was in a room with all those drivers and giving a huge speech of how we're going to make a difference and how we're going to create a company that actually cares, right, motivates, and also rehabilitates versus punishment, right? When we do get citations and things of that nature. So um, that two, three hour speech of being upset, of being getting stranded from companies, that's kind of what led to that point. And that night I went on inkfile.com and made an LLC, right? <laughs> so then I put myself in a position of, all right, let me, the first thing I need to do is learn how to manage people. So let me be a trainer, a driver trainer and train new individuals. So Western Express got me, got me that opportunity that I'll be able to train individuals. Then I went to, okay, so I think I got that packed down. So now I need to hone in on a niche. I was already doing flatbed, but um, that's really just a stepping stone to open deck and heavy haul and things of that nature. So I found a company that would hire me as a lease driver. And that's kind of how I learned, you know, the financial game, but also, you know, really the field of open deck transportation. What are your, what are your keys to rehabbing a driver? I like that you said that. What's your approach to it? Communication, communication and understanding, right? I think a lot of times when you haven't been in that driver's seat and you're just looking at that white piece of paper, right? Or from a document standpoint, you really don't understand what it takes to be a driver. You really don't understand um, how far to look ahead, when to take initiative, when you could have made that turn and things of that nature. So I do believe it takes someone that's an experienced driver for quite a while to really sit there with the driver and with dash cams and things of that nature and really go through that piece and analyze, hey, at this point, I believe that's where you could have shifted and did X, Y and Z. Right. And when you work for these bigger companies, it's like, oh, you have a CDL. You should know all these things. Right. And a lot of individuals don't understand that. Yeah, I'm, I have a CDL and I'm going to school for three weeks, but that's about it. That's all ever anybody teaches me. Right. So now when I'm applying at these companies, the expectation is that I know everything. And there is barely any support. Mm, that is that's rough. So how are you fixing that? Like, what what is trailer transport today? And is it is it everything that that you thought it would be? Have you had to pivot at all? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> right. It's it's great to have great ideas and to do great things in the world, right? But you also have to make money at the same time, right? So finding that balance between at what point. Um, I don't want to say give up, but at what point, where do we draw the line, right? As far as rehabilitation, but a lot of, we have um, weekly meetings where we um, go through the dash cams with our drivers, assess situation, assess near misses, and really discuss them through from A to Z. And yeah, I definitely had to pivot, right? In the beginning of trying to save the world and make a build a bigger, build a bigger and better company, um, managing people in the, in the beginning was definitely difficult and I was definitely, um, too loose. Right. So I had to definitely learn how to draw those lines 
and really how to um, how to make those decisions on how and where we, you know, where we rehabilitate. So how are you like, what, what are you humming on now? Like what, what's your core product or what's, what's been working really well? What are you leaning into? I think the dash cams for us is that um, the dash cams are the main aspect that we take in consideration, right? All the AI and the notifications that we get, but um, also those weekly meetings. And then also, okay, well, if we're doing, if we're seeing these inefficiencies, what are you doing to make it better the next time, right? And just holding our drivers a little bit more by the hand rather than here, there you go, there's a truck, uh, go from A to Z and figure the rest out, figure it out if you can, when, once you can't, uh, you know, pick up a trailer and things of that nature. Has this year been challenging at all or, or have you had a, have, do you have some keys to success to getting above the clouds? Relationships, right? But it's definitely challenging. Um, I think um, with our customers that we had for the last two to three years since we've started, we've been doing great work, volume is increasing and staying pretty steady. But new customer acquisition has definitely been tough, battling those rates, right? Especially compared to mega companies that can haul under operational cost just to kind of buy the market share right now, right? So we don't have that type of capacity. So that's definitely challenging. Who should reach out to you? Who do you want to work with in the summer of 2023? Anyone that has a need for power only um, operations, right? Um, Especially the aluminum and metal industry. That's what we're really honing in on. Uh, I believe right now where we're electrifying all these vehicles, the aluminum industry is really going to take up um, a huge market share uh, compared to the metal and steel. And um, those are the companies that I'm looking forward to working with. So anyone that's an aluminum metal here in the Southern regions. How do they get in touch with you? Brittany at trailertranspo.com or give us a call at 1-800-705-6004. Brittany, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Tell us a little bit about your story, what you guys are up to. And I hope some of them aluminum shippers get in touch with you over this uh over this summer thank you so much take care have a great one all right who's coming up next oh yeah we got to talk about yellow all right let's bring up super trucker justin martin i like this shirt man you like oh thank you you got like my cat dog shirt like hawaiian shirts but you i think that's your son that you have on there absolutely yeah this is sullivan uh my wife got it for me for father's day it didn't show up until yesterday so you know yeah, it, it takes them like about two and a half weeks to three weeks to turn those around. I'm pretty sure like when you yeah. upload the JPEG, they send it to China. Someone like they, they quick print in China and then they send it. They send it over here. Every, everybody's asking me like, oh, what brand is it? What, you know, where'd you get it from? And like, there's nothing. There's, there's literally China, like Etsy. a size tag and that's, and that's it. There's no like care instructions. So hoping it doesn't disintegrate in the wash. We'll see. I don't, I've had one, like the cat one I've had, I've had for two years and it's held up well. And the dog one I just got. Uh, but I tell people the same thing. I'm like, I don't, just look up like custom Hawaiian shirt on Etsy. I think they're all yeah. the same company under like a thousand. They're like double brokers. Yeah. They're all the same company, <laughs> but they have like 600 names. Or like when you try to buy electronics on Amazon these days. Yeah, it's just one giant uh, roller in China and just goes out to like 50, 50 different companies. I bought, I, I am so like, about a decade ago, I was, my wife wanted like a dustbuster to clean out the car. And I got like Xawo Xin brand or something like that. And, <laughs> but it had like five stars. And that was my Amazon awakening to just like how game some of those reviews can be. Because oh, this yeah, thing had yeah. no motor in it whatsoever, man. I, mean, I would have been better off using a straw. 
my mom's birthday's coming up and she's looking at tablets on Amazon. She's showing me the results. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Those are all like no name brand. They just slap the names on them. Oh, you know Stay what, away. though? If you're looking for a, a tablet for, for Sullivan right now, there's a big pre Prime Day sale. The Fire 10 tablet is like 89 yeah, bucks. Yep. It's usually 189. Yeah. Good time to, to jump in on one of those if you're if you're out there oh, looking. Yeah, yeah we're thanks, thanks for the heads up. We're way ahead of that one. <laughs> oh, you already got one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Do you like it? Ours are coming tomorrow. It hasn't been here yet. We have the old old tablet seven from like 2019. It's so slow. It's oh, did you so buy slow. it yesterday? <laughs> so that's what we did. I got them. No, yesterday. no, no. The one the one he's using now is my old one from like 2019. And yeah, even for like a three-year-old, it, it's just it's it's a dinosaur. It needs to go. So we're at the uh, we're at the the Honda dealer, and you know how sometimes on the minivans you can get like the TV that comes down. But here's the thing: it's it was fifteen hundred dollars for that option. It didn't have the color or yeah. interior that I liked. And he's and the guy like who's driving because that's the one we went on the test. He was like, "Hey, you stick your DVDs in here," and I'm like, "I, I don't have DVDs. Like, can I connect a, a streaming signal to here? Like, it's easier yeah. if I can just download stuff on YouTube or Netflix at home, and then you bring it in the car and they just watch whatever they want." That used to be like a $3,500 option. Now yeah. fewer people are getting it because all the kids have tablets in the cars nowadays. Because the screen they give you too, it's like bad resolution. It's just not worth Far the money. Away. The yeah. good thing is they put yeah. like they they put the uh, power connectors everywhere in those now though. So you have like 10 USB oh, nice. inputs in the back for charging, which is big. Yeah, all right. it, it used to be cup holders. Now it's all USB ports. <laughs> all right, Justin, it may be Yellow's last stand. They sent this uh, email out to the press yesterday. It said Yellow Corporation files a $137 million lawsuit against International Brotherhood of Teamsters. They're alleging a breach of contract in efforts to modernize the century-old company. That is their one yellow plan. Um, they're saying that the Teamsters are trying to tank this. It's going to cost 22,000 jobs. Um, they're saying that the IBT has, this isn't the first time they've negotiated via the press rather than when it's partners. To be fair, the IBT did not email me. This was Yellow who emailed me. Yellow also yep. emailed after our last broadcast. They took umbrage with the term bailout. Um, Yellow, Investopedia describes a bailout as what is a bailout? Definition, how they work, an example. A bailout, a bailout is the injection of money into a business or organization that would otherwise face imminent collapse. Bailouts can be in the form of loans, mm-hmm. bonds, and more. So I think I'm in the clear on that one. Um, the Teamsters, they've clapped back though, right? They said these, these allegations are baseless. They, Yellow Corp's claims of breach of contract by the Teamsters are unfounded and without merit. That's Sean M. O'Brien. He's their general president. He says, after decades of gross mismanagement, Yellow blew through a $700 million bailout from the federal government. And he called it a bailout too. That wasn't me. That's a quote, just like last time when I quoted the New York Times, all right? I didn't call it a bailout. All right. For a company that loves to cry poor, Yellow's executives seem to have no problem paying a team of high-priced lawyers to wage a public relations battle all in a failed attempt to mask their incompetence. But these are just like, these are just words. Justin, let's take a look inside a meeting between Teamsters and Yellow. Thing I've seen that your jobs in Yellow is at stake. I encourage you to be vocal with your union leadership. There is no alternative path. Well, isn't that some bull? Don't don't throw your shit in that, billions and billions and billions of dollars. Is that the same concession you guys heard back in yeah. every the time you guys come down? Say no shut the doors then. Yeah. If you yeah. guys cannot run this company after billions and billions yeah. and billions of dollars given back by us, by us, we're the mother. 
this train roll down the tracks. You do not make this train roll down the tracks. Justin, you are a you were a truck driver. You've been in the post office. You've seen some union guys. What, what was the temperature of that room right there? Oh, steaming, steaming. What we're looking at right now, it's like the opposite of marriage counseling. They're, I think they're past the point of that. They're going straight for divorce court. The lawyers are out. The lawsuits are flying. And it's really sad to see because, you know, these were guys that have been doing these jobs for decades. Um, and the company apparently just from reading the comments I've seen, it's management. All I see in the comments is management, management, management. Um, you know, d- drivers, when you see drivers behaving poorly on the road, it's very public. When you see, when you have um, management of a company performing poorly, you don't really see it until the money runs out. And then the bailout comes in and then that bailout money runs out. So, yeah, we're, we're, it's, it's not looking good right now. No, I mean, I, I feel bad for those guys who have to come around to like to fly around to each of these like depots with those vests on and read that prepared statement and then face that fire back. Here's here's one more clip from that meeting right here. Take a listen. Yeah, yeah. In this, in this, in this local, you have violated this agreement. You come into a this local, that they have We have said Hey, hey, your principal officer, your principal officer, okay, is is co-freight director in the entire country. Co-freight director, your principal officer, okay? They violate our agreement. They currently are right now in this local. They missed 70 pickups in two days. 70 pickups, y'all. 70 pickups because they leave people because on the dock. They leave people on the dock. But yet they act like it doesn't affect their bottom line. We've got no money to give to y'all, but 70 pickups in two days. But we're gonna 70. Leave, we're going to leave freight on the dock. But do you disagree with that? Do you disagree with that? 70 pickups in two days. I know what we missed. I look at it every day. And so you act like that's not affecting our bottom line when we got guys sitting out here on the dock with plenty of freight to run? Plenty of freight to run. The problem, the problem is you can't. You guys can't run this company. That's the problem. You guys put the burden on us. You guys put the burden on us. You guys can't run this company. You guys want to talk. And you don't run shit anyway. You run the line hall division. You don't run. You don't run shit. You really don't. Obviously. No, we do run. If we did, this company would run way better. We don't need y'all. Is is this beyond mediation? I mean, mm. you see that room that the, the, all these guys that are in there. This is a video that's ten minutes long, by the way. It was uh, it was yeah. posted on YouTube. Someone leaked it from their meeting that happened two weeks ago, and that it's just ten minutes of that, like just just these guys yelling at each other. And and I've been in meetings like that. Like we have times in the post office where you know tempers flare, guys aren't happy with how the bids are going, but it's never like that. It's just you say your piece, okay, we can work on it and move on. This meeting and this whole situation, you can kind of tell this is something that's been brewing for you know, years and decades at this point. I really don't know how they're going to fix this. Yeah, it's brutal. And, you know, it, 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 the market might fix them for them. Like, as John Kingston tweeted, yeah. they're in danger of getting delisted. Their stock, as of yesterday, it was at 92 cents yesterday. If it stays that for 30 days, this penny stock is off the board. It's delisted. And this is a company that says, they they said August, two weeks ago. Now they're like, we, we have even less. These guys, I mean, are they going to be here in the middle of July? Who even knows? Some people say the yeah. government might step in. But would Biden necessarily want to step in on Trump's old deal to give that 700 million dollar loan two years ago yeah i don't know and how about how about that you get a bailout from each administration um it one thing that worries me is those guys that are in that meeting the, the union members they're saying let us run everything yeah okay fine but then you know do you really want to be in that position um it's it's easy to be the guy that sits back and is doing your job day to day but while the the ship is burning around uh, all around you 
But then when it becomes your turn to actually be the one in charge, that's a tough spot to be in, especially with this uh, market the way it is right now. I, I, I think what's happening is the, the, the market itself is just not great. And yellow is not in a good position. And these guys, they're either going to have to make major cuts that they're not willing to make or the management is going to have to you know, start listening to the guys on the ground because it sounds like they haven't been doing that from the beginning. Well, long-term shareholders, I mean, you got pressure from them too. Uh, Ahmed Mahotra, he mm-hmm. put up, if, if you had a share of yellow, a share of yellow today that was worth $470,000 in 2005, that's because there's been a lot of stock splits and everything. So that share yeah. Yeah, back then would have been worth 470000 would be worth 470000 It's worth $1, $1 now. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have to deal with that at the post office. We didn't have shareholders. We were the federal government, so we could just burn the money as, as needed, I guess. Craig Fuller says the Teamsters leadership doesn't understand the dire conditions of the freight market and risk taking it too far, bankrupting the LTL carrier. It sounds like they it sounds like that's yeah. what they want. Like if they're trying to take them down to the mat, they're doing a good job. Yeah, but then where do they go from there? Is there are they hoping like another company scoops them up and you know keeps them running? Once the yellow I mean yellow is so big, once it shuts their doors, where are these guys going? I don't know. The, the, the peanut gallery says, hence, this is a cornflake redo, and it needs to happen. There is too much bad capacity in the LTL market. Michael Hunt says, looking into how they manage money for over 15 years, especially during COVID, receiving over $700 million in violation of the CARES Act, I would say it's on them, not the union. And uh, Donald says, just put this company down already. Easy to say, talking about 8,000 drivers here, right? A lot of yeah. people work there, a lot of people's it- jobs. And all, all these all these guys that are working there that are cheering this on, be careful what you wish for, because there's I promise you there's nothing more than the market would love right now to have a company like Yellow go away so that the rates would rise a little bit. Yeah, I mean you lose your seniority if, if this if this all falls. And I understand if they've offended you, yeah. if they've impugned you so bad, sometimes that that happens. You gotta make a stand and maybe that's what that's what these guys are, are doing. Maybe this is a lot of saber rattling and there'll be some resolution. I don't know. Hope so. It looks rough. They've lost thirty three percent of their tonnage in the past two years that's one thing like would you yeah. agree with this though so truck drivers you got to pay attention if you work in this market you got to pay attention to it i don't care if you're a company guy or anybody because what happens is you get drivers yell all the time and they're blaming this and they're blaming that and it's like dude you also have to look at the reality of the market this job's a partnership yeah. there's no such thing as just driving a truck all of these people that you're yep. attached to they're partners and if they suck they're your bottleneck you have to deal with it yeah, and the, the competition is only getting more fierce now. You know, I had, when I was at the post office, the big thing was scanning, tracking. You know, when you ship a, a package to USPS, it's a bit of a black hole. You don't know where it's at until it comes out the other end. So they really started pushing scanning on the drivers, and there was a lot of pushback from drivers saying, "We're drivers, we don't scan," and they don't realize every other driver, every other company scans, they track everything. And if you're trying to push back on this, you might have a job. To retire to in 10 years, but the guys behind you that just got hired, they might not. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough spot. Hopefully they can all figure yeah. it out. Um, we'll keep you abreast of what's happened on here. Speaking of things that were highly contentious, this particular video on who has the right of way, mm-hmm. a lot of people could not decide. Roll this tape and we'll take a look and show you all we're talking about here. So what you're seeing is there's a guy here in, uh, well, he was in the middle lane. On the right, he's got a tanker in a lane that is it's coming into a merger. The tanker actually has the lead um, here, but the driver isn't letting him in. He's holding, he's holding him out. He probably had the right of way. That tanker probably should have merged earlier, but obviously he didn't. And the situation almost <laughs> got pretty hairy, didn't it, Justin? Yeah. No, you're looking at two egos fighting each other right now. Yeah. The, the, the tanker was in the wrong. You're in the merge lane. You have to yield. 
sure he was ahead, but that's probably because he wasn't merging back when he was supposed to. It's it's also you know you're not, we're not seeing how all the video started, um, but clearly you can, you can see where the, where the tanker's at at this video. It's already got the arrows, so he he's not in a car. He's driving it like a car. He's not driving it like he should. Now the guy in the in the with the truck with the dash cam here, you know, sure he could have eased up a little bit, but you know, th- like I said, that's that's where the ego starts to come in. Yeah, you got to drive. We can't see who's behind him. I don't know how much uh, ability he would have had to ease up. It's very, very hard to say there. Um, On that limited information, you would say, like, I I think Pat Roach from Divergent Logistics, he said, by the written rule, the tanker is in the wrong because they have the yield. By the rules of the road, Mm -hmm. truckers work with the the dash cam should have moved over or let off the throttle for a second or two. Both were unprofessional in that given moment. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, I mean, unprofessionally. Yep. I mean, look, even if the guy's wrong, right? It two objects can't occupy the same place at the same time. That's a tanker. What, like, what's the end game? You're gonna yeah. blow up? Like, just just ease yeah. back. Let let the driver have his day. He won today. And and so much could have gone wrong. Exactly. You know, so much could have gone wrong right there. You know, God forbid something happened and they get a bunch of people killed. For what? For what? Yeah. And you're not getting anywhere any faster. I mean, I, yeah. I know it happens <laughs> to all of us. We you get you have moments yeah. of weakness in the. Uh, in your four wheeler or in the cab, but again, that's that's a, that's a damn tanker. You're, right you're driving eleven miles a day. What's ten seconds? What is ten seconds? Well, for some drivers, ten seconds is everything. Because unfortunately, in this situation, mm. something did happen. Tell me where this uh, truck driver screwed up. Hard to okay. So the the arm is down. It's in between the cab. It's not. He's not hauling a low boy, but it looks like he was still hung up on the track. Uh, obviously, this is just a failure to, to pre-trip. As, all, yeah. as, as usual with these uh, train interactions. You think he was admiring that uh, that old beat-up rust bucket right there in front of him? That classic, uh, what yeah. is it, like an Oldsmo or something over there? Call, calling his guy with the trailer to come pick it up and then, uh, oops, call a wrecker while you're at it. Could be. Hey, here's a, here's a sad story. Let's take a look at what happened over in, uh, what was this, in Virginia? Mm-hmm. Talking about this week, dive crews have recovered that tractor trailer that went over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel on Thursday, and they've also recovered the body of the driver. Now, he's been identified as 36-year-old Christopher Scott from Henrico, Virginia. Police are still trying to figure out what exactly led up to that crash. We do know that crews are working to fix the damaged parts of the bridge, and we're told that's expected to take about a week, and there could be some traffic delays that come along with that, so watch out for that. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Yeah. Uh, his mom said her heart aches knowing her baby will never get to. Oh, he's got a newborn son, Justin. Yeah, I believe there was an accident very similar to that too at the bridge tunnel uh, a few years back. The winds out there. If, if you're not hauling any any heavy weight, you know the winds will the winds will really take you. Um, I don't know if this guy uh, you know died on impact, but um, if you go to any knife shop out there, you can buy a knife with a carbide tip. Uh, on the end of the handle and you can use that to smash your window out. They'll usually have a safety cutter too. I always carried one on me. It was a, a bench made rescue knife. Um, if you don't have one in your truck, please, please go out and get one. It could save your life. Does that, does that come up in training? What happens if you go off a bridge? No, not, not, not particularly. It's, wow. it's tra- training is usually like backing, yeah. follow distance. Don't uh, shift gears on, on top of railroad tracks, that kind of thing. But as far as like, you know, situations situations like that are, are so rare that nobody nobody ever wants to think about it. But it can happen. 
Rose says, what I would do is immediately lower my window as far down before hitting the water. I would use my window breaker and seatbelt cutter next. That's connected to my keys. Push on something to swim upwards. That's provided you don't get knocked out or or just die on impact. Um, as happened here, little trucker Wally said, I had a yeah. friend die crossing from Briggs into Washington. Wind, ice, um, severe rains. He tried to cross. We tried to warn, warn him, rip hammer. He just, he just get off the bridge. There's no way to save himself. Yeah. Yeah, once your truck's in the water, the electronics in your truck probably aren't going to work. So, yeah, get get one of those uh, window smashers if you can get one. Now, you're going to go to a ball game on July 4th to try this Pepsi ketchup. Can we skip forward to that one? We're not going to have enough time for this other stuff. <laughs> Pepsi ketchup, <laughs> hot dogs, better with Pepsi. It's coming to four parks. Uh, Yankee Stadium, Chase Field in Phoenix, Target Field in Minneapolis, and Comerica Park in Detroit. No, those are a little too far. I thought this was a troll post at first because, like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. I have a friend, Dave, who's like really, he's like the, he's like Pepsi's number one fan. And even he was like, is this real? Yeah, it looks so like he, a meme condiment. Be, uh, this is what has happened. Like, right the marketers now, have been raised on memes for too long, so now they're, they're doing yeah. this. Let's, let's end on a good image, though. Show that last rate, the strap work. Justin, you like this one. It matches your shirt. Look at this guy putting his I daughter know. to work to get the straps on. You love to see it. Love to see it. Hey, find him at Super Trucker. Find the show at FW What the Truck. Find me at Timothy Dooner. Take care and don't be a stranger.